As we continue on with our sermon series, uh, last week we we heard from Psalm 25 uh, and and had a, um, a coloring page, coloring banner, done by some of our youth. This week, Psalm 22 uh, was done by uh, Jody Ridgeway and and some others, and um, put forth by by the Sunday evening crowd as well. And as we look at Psalm 22. Uh, Janelle put put our psalm in song form and chanting form today, but hear the words of God coming from Psalm 22. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him and stand in awe of Him, all you offspring of Israel. For He is not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden His face from Him but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to their Lord. And all families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the ones who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. I'm not sure if you're like me at all, but in many ways I I hate missing out on things. I hate missing out on hearing things. I hate missing out on something that's pretty amazing as a kid. I was one that would get up early to go watch certain events that were happening in the world because I didn't want to miss it. You know, and my parents encouraged that. So I remember watching the shots being fired uh, first into the Persian Gulf, coming from the USS Missouri. There's a little bit of pride there. Came uh, remember getting up early to watch uh, Princess Di's funeral. I remember watching Mother Teresa's funeral. Uh, September 11th, planting myself and watching the terrible images that many of us still can't forget. We can't help ourselves, but we always want to be there for it. And isn't that the truth for other parts of our lives? Uh, for the events in our kids' lives, we want to be there. Uh, for the events in your life, your parents wanted you wanted to be there. For the many things that shape us and form us, we want to be there and be a part of it. If someone's going to be talking about me, I want to be present. <laughs> Unless you're talking about the chairs, then I don't want to be there. (laughs) But we don't want to miss out on what's before us. We want to be there. But what if I told you that the most important day in your life, the most important event in your life, you were not there for? The most important thing to ever happen to you To you personally, individually, you were not actually there for. 
You've been told about it. We remember it. But you weren't there for it. The other day while in the coffee shop, uh, one of our Sunday evening uh, guys, uh, Dick, came in and was chatting and he told me, the most important thing I was going to hear my, uh, for my week was that Johnny Cash's birthday was coming up. That's what he wanted me to know. And something I remember about Johnny Cash is one of the uh, renditions he did of uh, the Good Friday song, Were You There? Has anybody ever heard, heard that version of it? Yeah. And he has that deep voice, you know, tremble, tremble. Were you there? Well, the answer is no. It so happens to be for that most important event, the thing that shapes us today, the thing that becomes our defining moment, we were not actually there for. Because that moment happened so long ago. That moment happened almost 2,000 years ago. The moment of Jesus dying on the cross. Now there are many... Many who fight that idea, who fight the idea that that is the most important moment that has ever happened to them. In fact, we often search and try and make up ways to uh, find moments that actually supersede that. Because we have to be there for it, right? We, we have to have some sort of event that we can remember in our mind and point back to. So we come up with those moments where we suddenly had the uh, revelation or the light beaming down from on high or... Uh, some sort of miraculous emotional response in some way. And as Lutherans, we've even tried to answer it. It's like, well, you were there at your baptism. But even all of that, all of those moments, all of those other things, they cannot even compare to the moment that can be defined coming out of Psalm 22 and saying, He has done it. Those simple words at the very end of that psalm makes the point for us and the thing for us to remember about that most impactful moment of our lives. He has done it. Jesus himself extracted out of this poem written for us in Psalm 22 and said it is finished. Because that moment was the moment. It was the time when those two pieces of wood of the cross became weapons of torture and destruction. It was in the moment that our, our God not only came for us, but he breathed his last breath. It was the moment where as he was breathing that last breath, he exhaled those very simple words, it is finished. Because he is the one who has done it. Tell all the generations that are coming up, all the generations to us that are even yet unborn, that He has done it. So we tell of that moment. We remember that moment. We gather together because in that moment, you were the thought. It was for you that it happened. Out of this very psalm, we have written for us, for He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard. When he cried out, the Lord heard. And he has done it. 
He has remembered the afflicted. He has remembered the affliction of the afflicted. He hasn't hidden His face from those afflictions. And what is it that has afflicted us? Everything. Darkness. Sin. Loss. Even the very gifts that God has given us, we have taken and we have turned. These are the afflictions that are being spoken about. And even in the picture of what we can come up with out of our own sin or out of our own iniquities, out of our own transgressions, out of our own debts, the Lord didn't turn away. But rather, He came for that moment. He came to do it. He came to die. Tell all the generations. Tell even those that have yet to come what He has done and what He has done for you. For those of us that struggle in our addictions, for those of us that struggle in our sin, for those of us that struggle with dealing with the things that life constantly throws at us, are you someone who is lonely? Are you someone who has been despised? Are you someone who at this moment feel as if the world is closing in around you? Are you someone who isn't quite even matching up to what you think you should be? Are you someone who is feeling the afflictions of the afflicted? He hasn't turned from you. Rather, He has done it for you. Are you someone who hasn't been able to put things together the way it should be put together? Are you someone who is going through the most important point of your life? He has done it. You see, every time we get stuck in wanting to be there and wanting to be the focus, every time something bad happens in our life, we consider it to be the thing that will define us from this point forward. We let these afflictions, we let these trials become the very things that we're known for, the very identities that we have. We let even our joys and our successes become that exact same thing. But in Psalm 22, what it is speaking about as the thing that has saved us, the thing that has given us an identity, is Jesus dying on the cross. So that those afflictions do not become our identity. So that those struggles do not become what we are known for. So that even these joys and successes which can turn into their own form of slavery does not become our identity. He has done it. And He has done it for you. For those who are the afflicted. For those who are the abhorred. For those who cry out, He has heard. We spoke of Psalm 25 as being a prayer to the Lord. We speak of Psalm 22 as being our hymn. Because in it we proclaim that He has done it for us. In it we remember and we proclaim that He has heard us out of the very pits that we inhabit. And in it we already speak about what it has done for us. For as His people we gather together, that all the ends of the earth will remember Him and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before you, because the kingship belongs to the Lord. The very One who has done these things for us is our King and reigns. And as He reigns in heaven, He reigns in your life. 
He reigns. And we worship Him in response. One of the challenges that we have as, as a liturgical people, where we, we guard our words, we want to speak the words of prayer, we want to speak the words of Scripture, it's hard for us to remember what worship really is. That in our theology and in our teachings in Scripture, we learn that worship is, is loving, worship is serving, worship is being with others. And in that being with others, we worship the Lord by bringing glory to Him. You see, He has done it. He's already set His rule in place. The hour has already come for Him. And now He says that our coming means that we worship our God in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4. And in worshiping Him in spirit and truth, it's taking that out into the world, to the tables that we eat at, into the conversations where we actually talk about those afflictions that we have, into those conversations where we start describing the joys that the Lord has brought. We bring glory to Him. This hymn, this prayer, this psalm that is offered up to us out of 22 is a psalm that we often uh, associate only with Good Friday. And the only time we read it. But in it we actually hear of the very song that we bear as we go out. A song of worship and praise. A song that leads our families forward into describing the very message of the gospel. He has done it. Our salvation is complete in Him. The moment of your salvation has happened. The moment when your identity change has occurred. The moment that has made you you rests firmly in the one who has done it. Take that. Let that be your words of worship in this world. Let that be the message to your children, to the children of our church, to those who have yet to come and sit in our brand new green chairs to the ones that we eat dinner with to the people that we're responsible to because this being done wasn't just for you it doesn't just stop at you it doesn't just stop at me but it continues to go out. His work continues to be done in this world. As we worship and we pray, we pray that it goes out from this place. And you are the person that the Lord has brought in. And you are the person that the Lord has asked to do this. So we gather together and we go out to the families of nations out there. And we say the simple words, He has done it. Because there's no part of our life, there's no part of your life, there's no part of anybody's life that that message doesn't affect and that that message doesn't ring true. Because our salvation is complete. It is whole. It has been done. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen? Amen.